This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. The book of Esther is one that is largely avoided during the 18 years of recorded ministry by William Marion Branham. In fact, he only spoke of Esther 14 times on recorded tape, and almost all of those times were during one single sermon entitled The Marriage of the Lamb. Reflecting on the common viewpoint in the cult, that William Branham was an authority on Scripture, this one single book in the Bible astounds me. Not only was this book avoided, but the entire theology and doctrinal teaching that came from this one single sermon preached about Esther is exactly backwards. You see, we were taught to believe many things about Esther that were either extra-biblical or that strongly disagreed with the Scripture. Since this was the one book that so strongly opposed Branham's extra-biblical teaching that makeup or cosmetics were designed by Satan, the god of this evil age, it's no wonder that the entire book was largely avoided by William Branham, and almost completely avoided by ministers that still remain in the cult. It's a confusing book. There are several things that should have stood out as faults by the men and women who actually read the book. Some of them are so obvious that I'm actually surprised that there were not school children that stood up and said, Hey, Mr. Branham, that's not what my Bible says. We were taught falsely that Esther was a judge in the Old Testament, simply because there was a book written about her life story. And this is very interesting because in his use of some extra-biblical teaching, Branham takes the opposing stance to most of his other sermons, actually agreeing with women in authority. If those still enslaved by the cult of Branham today were to only read the single statement by Branham, it would change the course of several sermons and might even sway political votes. He says this, 
And this man and wife, I was eating breakfast with them, and they said, Brother Branham, look at this. What do you think? And pulled out a letter. I said, Well, sister, she just don't understand. The boys told me that her mother was a woman preacher, and she didn't go for the message. And now she says, <clears throat> she said, Now, women should not have authority over a man. Said, How about Phoebe in the Bible? Paul's helper. Certainly, she was a seller of goods. And Paul asked the people, do you think Paul would say, let the women keep ch silent in the churches, not prevented them to speak, and then turn around and say, now Phoebe, my helper in the gospel, she's going to preach a few nights. Why would he contradict his own words, see? And then to top it off, I believe it was Esther, who was one of the judges in the Bible, said a woman was a judge in the Bible. If that's not authority over a man... <clears throat> And this businessman was healed right there in the church not long ago. He said, now my wife said, Brother Branham, that always puzzled me. I said, why, sister? Why does that puzzle you? said, well, there's a woman judge. Now listen to this. He says, I said, that's politics, not the church. That don't have nothing to do with the church. <laughs> 65 and knoweth it not. <clears throat> the sad truth that this statement, while partially correct, uses extra-biblical theology to support women in politics. A judge in the Old Testament was a military leader or a ruler who decided the fate of the nation and governed law with justice in their decisions. Esther was not in this position, according to Scripture. Ahasuerus was king, and Esther, although favored, was simply one of his wives. She had influence over his decisions, <clears throat> but the entire book of Esther, Esther, Ahasuerus was the decision maker, and Mordecai was second in command, not Esther. It says, for Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers, for he sought <clears throat> the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people. That's an Esther 10. But the real underlying problem for Branham, <clears throat> most likely the one that caused him to avoid this very good book in the Bible, is that she gained the king's favor by using cosmetics in a beauty contest. And even if she didn't use cosmetics, Esther herself would be a real eye-opener to another one of William Branham's false teachings. Branham infected the following with another false teaching that it was Satan who designed women, not God. And according to Branham, Satan made them beautiful so that women would be a thorn in man's side. He couldn't use that twisted theology in this sermon about Esther. It would have made for one confusing sermon. Imagine if he told the people how beautiful Esther was, and then injected this false statement into the sermon, one that is taught throughout the latter part of his ministry. Beauty is of the devil, always. That's right. <clears throat> he said that in 1964, the identified Christ of all ages. In the second chapter of Esther, the Bible describes her as a woman with a beautiful figure and lovely to look upon. Esther was a stunning beauty, and she was not designed by Satan. In fact, God used her beauty to work His divine will. But we were taught that Esther, 
refused her cosmetics and her perfumes. To enter the beauty contest is some homely-looking woman wearing only the most modest of apparel. This, according to Branham, was to be a type of the church. He said, The church is a whole lot like it was in the days of Esther. Esther didn't, Esther didn't take the perfuming of women. She adorned herself with the modest apparel, the hidden man of the heart. And the king said, put the crown on her head. Esther was a type of the church today. Those who are ready to come out and adorn themselves with the sweetness of the Holy Spirit, not perfuming in the dressing of the world, try to compare them with them, but the hidden man of the heart, that's the one I know. You see, Branham <clears throat> taught that these other women in the beauty contest represented the women who did not follow his cult. Those women wore cosmetics. They certainly must be evil. He taught that Esther refused. Right there in the beginning of the book, Esther refused the cosmetics and perfumes. But the Bible tells quite a different story. Right there in the same beginning of the book. <clears throat> Esther too. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther was also taken into the king's palace and put into the custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. That's Esther. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics, and a portion of food. <clears throat> and with the seven chosen young women from the king's palace, and advanced her and the young women into the best place in the harem. Esther 2. This is exciting. Esther won her first round in the beauty contest. She advanced to the second round and won the favor of Haggai. So, as you see, Haggai provided her with cosmetics. The Hebrew word translated here is tamrukeha, which literally translated means cosmetics. The King James Version calls it things for her purification, which according to custom would have been in, included many different oils and spices, some of which had royal colors. <clears throat> in the days of Esther, most of the royalty in the ancient world adorned themselves with Tyre purple. King David was close friends with the Prince of Tyre and established trade with the port city of Tyre. It is believed that even the pillars of King Solomon's temple were fashioned after the pillars in the city of Tyre. Tyre had unique plants that produced purple dye. This purple had made its way into the citadel of Susa and it's mentioned in Esther 1.6. It says, there were fine white cotton curtains and violet hangings and fastened in the cords of fine linen and purple to silver rods and marble pillars and also couches of gold and a silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry marble mother of pearl and precious stones <clears throat> the blues and the purples that came from Tyre were scarce and highly expensive most of the ancient world, with the exception of royalty, did not have access to this color like we do today. 
There were no purple crayons and no cans of purple spray paint. But we were falsely taught that Esther did not use these things to increase her beauty. We were taught that she strictly refused them and refused them only because they did not align with William Branham's extra-biblical teaching. <clears throat> you see, there were no laws in the Old Covenant forbidding the children of Israel from avoiding oils and spices and perfumes and paints. There were no laws to avoid beautiful women because they were de designed by Satan. Otherwise, we would have been left with one ugly race of Jewish people. You wouldn't find a Miss Israel entry in the beauty pageant. They'd be more likely to have a Miss Homely contest to see which woman is more holy. <laughs> but listen to the, the stark contrast between Esther having advanced to stage two of the beauty contest and given cosmetics to make herself more beautiful. Branham says this, Now we find ourselves that, then, that Esther, she they put her in one of those places to get herself all fixed up, to make her show before the king. My, she refused it. She didn't want it. She wanted to go out just like she was, amen? 1962, Marriage of the Lamb. Now that round two is over, Esther, having made the cut of seven of the most beautiful women in the land, Let's see what the scriptures have to say about the time when she would present herself before the king. Did she suddenly throw out all those cosmetics that helped her advance to this level? Did she fall on her knees and pray that God would blind the eyes of the king so that he would notice that she refused the customary paints, oils, and spices? Did she have some vision that told her that the king's secret desire was homely women. Let's read and find out. <clears throat> Continuing Esther 2. Now when the turn came for each woman to go into King Ahasuerus, after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of their beautifying, regular, regular period, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with spices and ointments for women. And when the young woman, Esther, went into the king in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. Now, according to scripture, if we actually read it, we find out that Esther spent an entire year applying cosmetics. An entire year. <clears throat> the oils prepared her skin by removing the wrinkles, much like our wrinkle creams today. The spices made her sp smell wonderful. Soaked so deeply in her skin that she radiated an aroma that was pleasing to her king. But listen to that one cosmetic that she used. The oil of myrrh. Myrrh is extracted from a tiny and thorny tree called the Comifora myrrh. When the tree is wounded, it excretes an oil, a resin that is harvested to produce myrrh gum. And as it is excreted, a, it forms a waxy and yellowish paste. But as it ages, it produces a darker paste, 
much like the face paint that Branham condemned all throughout his ministry. <clears throat> this tree and its cosmetic producing gum was native to Ethiopia, one of the kingdoms under the rule of King Ahasuerus. Not only was it readily available to those in the royalty of his kingdom, it would have made an even cheaper cosmetic than, than the imported tire purple. So now it's the final stage of the beauty contest. There are seven women that are prepared. Six months applying a certain portion of the cosmetics, six months applying another portion, an entire year of a beauty spa for the elite. They would now go before the king, lined up like the runway of our Miss America contest here in the States. And now it's Esther's turn. Last chance. Can she quickly rub off that paint that she has now bleached her skin to a dark yellow hue? Will she roll in skunk spray to remove those spices or roll in the mud so that she makes herself more homely before the king? Let's see what the Bible says. Continuing Esther 2. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women, advised. <laughs> now this is incredibly smart. Esther was not from that city, remember? She was taken captive. She was taken from Jerusalem and not familiar with the king's customs, his likes or his dislikes. So she asks Haggai to choose exactly how she should adorn herself. Haggai, the man who was in charge of making the women beautiful. <laughs> and it worked, not just with the king, but also with everyone who saw her. The Bible continues, same chapter. Now Esther was winning favor, favor with the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus, into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all of the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown over her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great feast for all of his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast and granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. The book of Esther is a very good one, and we've made it only to the second chapter. Coincidentally, from 1947 to 1965 on recorded tape, William Branham only made it to the second chapter. And he couldn't even say what the Bible said in just two of the ten chapters. All things are created by God and for God. God does not want to create an ugly place. And Satan cannot create. God made everything to be beautiful, from the mountains and the streams to the forest and the oceans to women. Women are not secret agents under the service of Satan. As we were taught to believe, if a man has a problem with a woman, 
or women, he has a problem that likely needs counseling. I speak from experience when I say that the cult's teaching on women is very damaging to the men. When I was in the cult, many men struggled with the natural desires towards women simply because they were taught not to distinguish between natural affection and sin. In the eyes of a cult, if a man has testosterone, he has been infected. I wish I had grown up with scriptural teaching, with no extra details or completely opposing doctrines. I wish that Branham was not afraid to teach the real story of Esther, the one that's written in the Bible. I wish that the thousands of children in the cult were not being programmed to believe that their natural desires were of the devil, and that their bodies were literally trying to attack them and spiritually. I wish that my parents had followed a man who was not afraid to teach the Bible as is. A man who did not delight in special insight that did not match the words of the Bible. Thankfully, my children will not be influenced by false teaching. The family line of idolatry ends with my family, and we will not stand to listen to cowardly men who are afraid to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ in its simplicity. We will not stand for men who add to the word of God and then call these new additions the voice of God. Let the word of God stand and every man be found a liar.